Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. On this week's episode of the Ultimate Tennessee Podcast, lots of yelling about Penny Hardaway, in a rivalry that is likely over. Plus, a new member of the Tennessee football team raises some interesting questions about how the transfer portal changes the quarterback position and where Navy Schuler fits into that for the Vols coming up next season. It's all brought to you by Brentwood Hearing Center, your sound solution in Middle Tennessee for over 40 years. You're going to be gathering at big tables over the holiday season. You're going to have maybe older members of your family, uh, maybe younger members of your family. You're going to want to hear what they are going to say and whether they are sitting next to you at the dinner table or maybe they are all the way down at the other end of the table. Don't miss out on conversations that matter most during this time of year. Maybe it's somebody you know. If you feel like they could benefit from a visit to Brentwood Hearing Center, they never hear things that you've got to say, tell them to give Brentwood Hearing Center a call at 615-377-0420. It's so easy to schedule an appointment. You can do that online as well at BrentwoodHearingCenter.com. But they've got five doctors of audiology. Whether you live in noisy environments, maybe you work in an environment that's noisier than most, they're going to have a tailored solution specifically for you and where you spend your time. The phone number is 615-377-0420. Brentwood Hearing Center, better hearing, better life. Tuesday, December the 21st, the Ultimate Tennessee Podcast starts right now. Will Bowling, Lucas Panzeca, and the best insiders covering the Vols on Rocky Top each and every week. It's the Ultimate Tennessee Podcast on the Zone Podcast Network. Merry Christmas to you on the Ultimate Tennessee Podcast Christmas week. So a day earlier this week and lots to discuss in the world of basketball and then the world of football at the University of Tennessee. Alongside my guy, Lucas Panzeca, I'm Will Bowling as always. In the words of Chris Berman, let us be the first to wish you a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Lucas. How are you? Yeah, man. Merry Christmas. Uh, it's the best time of year, not just because of the holidays, because we got bowl games. we got college basketball. we got the playoff push in the NFL for a lot of reasons. I love this part of December. Uh, and we've got a ton to get into. Yes, we do. We've got a Tennessee transfer, the long lineage in the line of Schulers to play for the University of Tennessee to talk about. We have got a new quarterback that is going to be on Tennessee's schedule in 2022. A little bit of a classic Tennessee situation there. We'll get to that. But first, Lucas, we begin with our fist balled. Because as I was walking into Bridgestone Arena, I assume you were in the same boat as we were going to be in Nashville, in the building, as our guy Ron Slay would say for Tennessee and Memphis. Penny Hardaway said, nah, I'm good. Uh, in a, a very odd day for both programs, I think a lot of us know the facts at this point, so we're not going to waste your time going through the facts of exactly what happened. Uh, because it's been a couple of days and there's a lot to digest. But I wanted to give you the, the chance to react first to the absolute stupidity of what happened on Saturday and Penny Hardaway's lack of leadership in saying that he had 90% of his guys vaccinated and then comes back later saying, yo, yeah, I probably misspoke. Yeah, I wasn't quite walking into the arena yet. I was still at my house getting ready to leave. Thankfully, I didn't leave uh, almost exactly an hour before tip when we got that news coming down. And it's just like, 
how are we at this point? The pandemic started in March of 2020. So we are over a year and a half removed from the start of the pandemic. Uh, and, and this feels like the type of thing that should happen two weeks into the pandemic. And we still have no idea what's going on and what protocols or what and how to approach these type of things. This should absolutely never happen at this level of college basketball. I mean, it is an absolute shame. And the stuff coming out now, what Penny Hardaway is saying about how he probably misspoke when he said 90% of his team was vaccinated, when in fact, that's probably closer to the truth that, you know, 90% of his team was not vaccinated. If two guys test positive for COVID and it wipes out all but four other players on the roster, then you're probably closer to 90% not vaccinated than otherwise. Uh, there's got to be some type of repercussions here, man. I, I don't know if it's just some kind of forfeit or uh, something with the NCAA against Penny Hardaway. We all know how incompetent the NCAA can be with these type of issues. But, I mean, th there has to be something. Uh, you cannot just set this standard of because you didn't follow things the right way as a program, staying on top of vaccinations. And Look, this is also not a conversation about well, those players should have been vaccinated. You can have that conversation elsewhere, right? Like those opinions can be yeah. set aside. This is just about the context of playing this game, playing this rivalry game. And for the rest of the season, I mean, how, how many times are we going to see this where a team can pull out because one or two guys tested positive and, you know, count the amount of guys that aren't vaccinated. They could say, first of all, say anybody was contact traced, right? They could say, well, we could go ahead and you know, really only these two guys were contact traced, but these two, you know, these are our, our top scorer and our lead rebounder. So we should go ahead and say that these other seven guys were also contact. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying this opens up that window for a team like Memphis that has not stayed on top of this uh, to finagle these situations and cause a lot of people to lose a lot of money. And I know people got refunded uh, for these tickets, but people spent air travel. People drove hours. People spent hotel money. In Nashville, which we all know is not cheap, uh, it's just an absolute joke, man. This is not something that can happen at this level of college basketball. And and I don't blame Rick Barnes because at this point he he's having to be the adult in the room. I mean, that is what it is. <laughs> he's having to say no. Like we, there is no reason for us to continue to put up with this. So it sucks. I want this rivalry to be played. Uh, but if you're Rick Barnes and you don't want to play ball with this anymore, I totally get it because. Why would you? I mean, at this point, what can you benefit from in staying involved with a Penny Hardaway-led Memphis program uh, when this type of stuff continues to come up? And this is the most egregious and incompetent instance that we've seen between Penny Hardaway and Tennessee in this rivalry. And it's just a shame. It just kind of feels like typical Memphis, doesn't it? Maybe I'm being too hateful and, and too much of a fan in saying this, but it feels the it feels in line with the way Penny Hardaway has run his program, like an AAU program. When one team is warming up before the game and then the other one an hour and a half before says, actually, never mind, we have COVID situations. And Brian Rice of Sports Radio WNML reported on Saturday, Tennessee was never told specifics on how many players had tested positive, how many players were in contact tracing. They were simply told, we are unable to play because of COVID protocol. All right. I think we can agree that Memphis is not ducking Tennessee. Tennessee is not ducking Memphis, all right? I, I think people have their tinfoil hats on a little bit too much to say there's some kind of conspiracy going on here of, oh, Penny doesn't want to play Tennessee. I think what Penny really is doing is he's manipulating another situation that should be a loss for him and trying to spin it into a win because it's something he has control over. What I mean by that is he's never won an NCAA tournament game. 
He's never played an NCAA tournament game, but he knows appealing to his base by yelling at Tennessee, yelling at Rick Barnes, and uh, as Memphis columnists go, yelling just at the city of Nashville, this game isn't being played in either team's arena, is an easy slam dunk win for him and for his team. And Lucas, when you haven't won on the floor, you got to win somehow in order to keep your job security. And I think that's what Petty Hardaway and his team of columnists that apparently work for him are trying to do at this point. Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, on that same note, I mean, last time these two teams played, Penny Hardaway won, right? They they went to Thompson Bowling Arena, and they ended the nation's longest active home winning streak in Knoxville the last time they played. And Penny's not yelling at Rick Barnes about this instance, right? But it can turn into, you know, Penny is saying, you know, we'll play the game. Let's reschedule the game. Which he knows is not possible. It's not possible. It's not going to happen uh, because Tennessee's moving on, right? They're playing a top 10 Arizona team, uh, a national championship contender on their home floor on Wednesday. And then the attention fully turns to SEC basketball, starting with a top 10 Alabama team. Tennessee is, uh, this is officially in the rear view for Tennessee. And I don't know if Memphis is going to spin this down the road as, oh, well, we tried. They won't play us. They don't want to play us. But if they do, then, uh, you know, we just remember this conversation now. Tennessee was the team on the floor, literally in shoot around an hour before tip off, ready to play this game. Um, I mean, it's just an issue of, 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 of mismanagement at its worst form in college basketball. Because if there's ever a time where you have to stay on top of something like this, Penny Hardaway's comments, which I'm sure people have heard by now, if not, it was saying, you know, when he was challenged that he said 90% of his team was vaccinated and his response, I probably misspoke. You know, when we were talking about it before the season, a lot of the guys had said they were vaccinated and then I didn't really think about it after that. Like, what? You didn't really think about it after that. That sounds like a conversation (laughs) that happened during like preseason conditioning. Hey, you guys, you guys vaccinated? Oh yeah, coach. Yeah, we're back. Most of us are vaccinated. Okay. And then not even, I mean, that is just so insane to me when, when you think about this day-to-day world we're living in now with COVID um, it's, it's such a, it is an AAU coach managing a big time college basketball program. And it's a shame because Memphis is a big time college basketball program. There's a final four banner in that building. Memphis, Tennessee is a big time college basketball rivalry, and it sucks that Penny Hardaway's malpractice is what's putting an end to this rivalry, at least for the moment. As long as Penny Hardaway is the head coach at Memphis, I don't think these two teams are going to play again. And no, Penny Hardaway has nobody to blame but himself. And last thing, Will, before I end this rant. Yeah. Who, you know, Memphis would probably like to, to replace this game, right? Tennessee is a quality opponent, a ranked power five opponent that they would like to add to their resume after a very impressive win on their home floor against Alabama last week. So they probably want to replace somebody with this game. Who is going to play Memphis? Who is going to say, no, I'm not going to take my team out there, make our fans spend hundreds, hundreds of dollars to travel, buy tickets, hotels, whatever it might be, just so there's always going to be that possibility until the moment the ball is tipped that you tell us, oh, no, sorry, one guy tested positive and 10 guys were in the room with him. We can't play an hour before tip off. No, no coach, no responsible head coach in college basketball is going to sign up for that. So, yes, Rick Barnes and Tennessee have every right to say, no, why would we reschedule this game with you when literally there is the same chance that the exact same thing could happen an hour before tip-off? Here's the other part of this, and we'll kind of wrap up the basketball side of things with this uh, here today. Memphis played in New York this season. 
like it's been well documented that Kyrie Irving has not played a game in New York this year. Now he's just going to play away games, which by the way, is one of the dumbest things to ever happen in American sports that a team is allowing that to happen. But I digress. It, maybe it's it's smart. Maybe we we should all be, you know, Memphis fans should be thanking Petty Hardaway because lying about his team's vaccination status, which is what happened, allowed them to actually play in New York and not have to move their schedule around. I mean, it, look, Penny Hardaway is not that dumb, right? It, he, this is a guy that did not just forget, in my opinion. This is a guy who, once New York was off the schedule, then walked it back and said, oh, you know, I, I probably misspoke. You're exactly right. There's got to be some kind of punishment for that. There has to be. Yeah. Th- these, just, these aren't things that you can probably misspeak about. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, there, there's a lot more at stake here. There's people's money at stake. There's scheduling at stake. Like. At this level of college basketball, there are just some things that you can't say, oh, yeah, did I say that about that? Oh, I probably misspoke. You just can't do that. You can't do that when people are spending their money. And Rick Barnes mentioned Tennessee burning $30,000 of the program's budget to come do this game. This cannot become a trend in college basketball. Uh, I mean, it, it is, it's crazy to think that we have to sit here and say this. Uh, but, yeah, something's got to come down here uh, because I worry about the precedent that this might set for teams walking into a situation, a non-conference game where one or two guys get wiped out and suddenly that door opens of, hey, we can get out of this game if we don't think we have a chance to win uh, because we have this positive COVID, COVID test to rely on. This X amount of guys are not vaccinated. These guys could all be contact traced. And, you know, who's going to know? Who's going to dive in to see if they were actually contact traced? Now, majority of this team of these teams don't have this problem because of the majority of college basketball coaches in the NCAA, although not all of them are perfect, at least know how to run a program, whether they do it illegally or not, whatever, as far as recruiting. Uh, but they at least can manage the players in their program. Penny Hardaway clearly cannot do that. All right, so let's talk about the newest member of the Tennessee football team, uh, a last name that everyone's going to remember, Navy Schuler. Uh, welcome to the Tennessee Vols. From Christ School out of Asheville, North Carolina, a guy who was recruited by Josh Heupel out of high school, who ran the exact same system to a T uh, in Asheville at the Christ School uh, as what Tennessee runs now. RPOs, quick passing game, fast tempo. He accounted for nearly 7,600 career all-purpose yards with over 80 combined touchdowns. And Lucas, here's where I fall on this. Navy Schuler, a guy who doesn't have a snap in two years at Appalachian State, is going to come into Tennessee and be a backup quarterback. In the transfer portal era, when you have Joe Milton's and Harrison Bailey's and Brian Mowers, you need a guy who knows he's the backup quarterback. I think this is the next step of the quarterback position in college football. You have this in the NFL. Joshua Dobbs has been a career backup quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You've got other guys. Basically every Alabama quarterback not named Tua or Mac Jones has been a backup quarterback uh, at the NFL, and they know that that's their role, and they're not going to go try and leave somewhere else because they know that that's their role. Without being disrespectful to Navy Shuler, this is a guy who is going to come in and know and expect that he's going to be QB2 at best, uh, at least for two years, right? Uh, He'll have a chance probably to compete as an outside option with Joe Milton and Taven Jackson and whoever else is there after Hendon Hooker is done this upcoming season. But I think this is going to be a trend, Lucas, in the transfer portal era of college football because you can't have a situation Tennessee had last season where they started with four scholarship quarterbacks and they finished with two. 
this adds some depth in a position that ended a lot more thin than you would have liked it at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, this is just another hurdle for for coaches across the country in college football. David Ubbin had a really good column about this on The Athletic, basically where he says the era of quarterback depth uh, in college football is pretty much over because of what you're talking about with the transfer portal. So Josh Heupel has built some of that now. Uh, it, it appears as though Joe Milton is going to remain at Tennessee this season, which, you know, uh, without knowing his situation personally or, or anything else, uh, surprises me a little bit uh, when you think about a former starter at Michigan that came to Tennessee without question to be the starting quarterback and had that job taken from him. I mean, how many other guys would up and leave at that moment to find their third school and go look to be a starter? So looks like Joe Milton will be coming back. Obviously, Taven Jackson, the four-star prospect out of Indiana, coming in as a freshman, and now with Navy Shuler transferring in from App State. Uh, and look, with that last name, he's going to be welcome in that program and on that campus no matter what. But Josh Heupel suddenly has a pretty crowded quarterback room with an established starter. How many times have we talked about Tennessee's crowded quarterback room over the yeah. last few years, having no clue who the starter was? And if we didn't know who the starter was, having no idea if he could get Tennessee to where they wanted to go. Well, we know who the starter is and we know he can get Tennessee somewhere. He's going to be on Heisman hot boards before the start of the season and Hendon Hooker. Yeah. So I'll give a hat tip to Josh Heupel. It's a good move to bring somebody in that obviously has deep, deep ties to the program, uh, that has ties to this system, should be able to run it well and creates depth at a spot where not many Power 5 teams are going to have depth this season. I'm with you. Makes a lot of sense. He's the fifth member of the Schuler family to play for the University of Tennessee. I actually didn't know that. I didn't know that Heath was, was not the only Shuler Me neither. to play for the Me neither. Yeah. Showing our age here, Lucas. Um all right, uh, wrapping things up here, Tennessee and Arizona. Um, that's going to be a big matchup uh, coming up Wednesday night in Thompson Bowling Arena. Uh, we will have reaction to that next week. It was funny, Lucas. I actually had a conversation with a Memphis fan, kind of a one-way conversation, um, as he yelled at me in the elevator of a Broadway bar that I was with, I was with my parents at a Broadway bar. Never something no. I thought I would say over the weekend since basketball was not played in, uh, in Bridgestone Arena. Uh, and, and this guy came up to me and was like, hey, you know, I won't, I won't Tennessee schedule us. I said, when, when would you want that game to be played? <laughs> I said, one of us has an SEC schedule in Arizona on Wednesday. So best of luck the rest of the year with the American Athletic Conference. But Arizona, very good basketball team, number six in the country. From here on out, Arizona, Alabama, the next two. Things are about to go from zero to 100 very quickly. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, this was supposed to be that last gauntlet stretch into SEC play, kind of bridging the gap, right? Memphis uh, into Arizona, into Alabama. All right, take Memphis off the list. Now, Arizona, I imagine, is majority vaccinated. I imagine they will show up, and that game will be played at Thompson Bowling Arena. Uh, <laughs> and it'll be a big challenge for this team. I think number one in net rankings in college basketball right now, as Rick Barnes said earlier this week. And uh, I think Tennessee needs to needs to grab a good win to build some confidence going into SEC play after what happened against Texas Tech. I think some confidence built off of a big-time Power 5 win uh, would, would go a long way for this team. I, I'd like to see them shoot the ball well against Arizona, something they certainly did not do against Texas Tech and have done well since then. Uh, but in a big moment, probably the biggest of the year so far, because you did have uh, Villanova, who is one of the top teams in the country this year, but you know it's on a neutral side. It's so early in the season. Um, the regular season still going on, going on. That's on a college football game day. Uh, this is the biggest game of the year so far 
for Tennessee, hosting a top 10 Arizona team, probably going to be the best environment Thompson Bowling Arena has seen so far this year. And it precedes a huge matchup against Alabama. So big moment in the season here with these next two games. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the team responds after the fiasco that was the last seven days or so. Going to be interesting. We will have, uh, of course, all the reaction here for you next week, as well as our big Music City Bowl preview. Uh, Two big members, obviously, of the Purdue roster will not be playing uh, in the game. Tennessee now a favorite in this game. So I hope you got your bets in when it was released that Tennessee was playing Purdue. because They will not, yeah, not playing two All-Americans, but you know who they will be playing, and it's not until 2022, Will, just on the way out, certain former five-star that transfers over from the West Coast to what now seems like a perennial ACC contender in Pittsburgh. Keaton Slovis has announced his commitment to Pitt. He will replace Kenny Pickett, the former USC quarterback, in the transfer portal, will now go play for Pat Narduzzi. And as Clemson continues its downward spiral, losing AD, DC, offensive coordinator, Dabo Swinney, refusing to adapt to modern college football, suddenly is Pitt, is Pitt, your perennial front runner in the ACC year in and year out the moment Tennessee finds it on its schedule for back-to-back seasons? Um, it, it could be. Uh, honestly, it's kind of crazy, but isn't it incredible how ten- uh, the teams Tennessee is about to play just reload immediately? Like Sam Pittman going to Arkansas in perfect time to play Tennessee after being horrible. Brian Kelly now going to LSU this year. When you think, oh, you're going to have the easiest trip to LSU ever with Ed Orgeron still there and not a great program Nope, that all of a sudden becomes a much bigger uh, bigger challenge. And now you've got Keaton Slovis replacing Kenny Pickett, who also came out of nowhere to be a Heisman candidate when you thought that Pittsburgh might be an easy matchup for Tennessee in the Eland Stadium. It's unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, uh, playing on the road in Baton Rouge, especially if that game's at night, is going to be a big challenge no matter who the coach is. Uh, I'll never chalk that up to a win based on who the head coach is just because it's LSU and Death Valley. But you're right. I mean, when you look at this year, you, you get Ole Miss on that rotational game in the SEC West on literally their best season in program history. Uh, they've got a shot to win 11 games here in the Sugar Bowl, something they've never done before against Baylor. And then you get ACC champion Pittsburgh, finally a team not named Clemson, wins the ACC, and it happens to be the first time. Uh, oh, and by the way, their starting quarterback broke Dan Marino's record uh, <laughs> at, at Pittsburgh. So, And now you get a former five-star and USC starting quarterback to play on the road next season uh, and, and a, a Bolitnikoff award finalist in Jordan Addison, who I believe comes back uh-huh. to Pitt for 2022. So suddenly that turns into a much bigger challenge against Pat Narduzzi, but it, it's Can't certainly wait. a never ending cycle. <laughs> who else is, what's the other non-conference game on Tennessee's schedule? I'm trying to think of, of who is going to. Uh, it was army and then it got, uh, got changed. Oh, right. Next That's year. right. The Army game got nixed. So isn't it? Uh, Ball State. So yeah, Ball right. State's the opener. So Ball State will probably get like, uh, oh, who's in the transfer portal right Blaine, now? Like don't Harrison. disrespect Blaine Bishop's all monitor right here. <laughs> That's right. Chirp, chirp. Uh, it'll be it'll be like uh, Harrison Bailey or something to transfer <laughs> to Ball State and become their all-time leading passer. And then Akron and UT Martin are the other two non-conference Does games. Does Riley so, Ferguson have any eligibility? I was going to say, yeah, we'll see what those two programs, how they skyrocket uh, here What's the next What's Sharon Jones up to? Is he going to lead them to victory? Oh, man. What about Quentin yeah. Dormady? How's, how's an, his arm? Yeah, these are all fond memories, <laughs> these names you're bringing up. But, uh, I, but no, I say this sarcastically, too, by the way, and John Fulkerson started at Tennessee the same year as all of these guys. <laughs> well, John Fulk- Fulkerson's older than over 180 players currently in the NBA right now, so that, <laughs> that's not surprising. I think he's older than both of us. Uh, he is, he is 26, I believe, or no, actually I think he's 25. So I think, yeah. I think I have, 
I have uh, I've got a little bit on John Fulkerson. He's I'm older tw- than me, though. No, no, he's he's 24. He's 24, turns okay, 25 okay. in April. So so I'm 26, <laughs> you're 25. We're, we're a little older than No, older I'm, than I'm 24. John oh, you're still Fulkerson 24. That's right. That's right. Yeah. John Fulkerson. <laughs> oh, there you go. April 97. I was born in July 97. There you go. Unbelievable. I can't. I, I Wow. Okay. Well, I guess that's the last uh, Tennessee player active that is that will ever be older than me. So thank you, John Fulkerson, for keeping that alive. That's probably true. For one more year this year. All right. Uh, a Merry Christmas to all of you, wherever you are listening. Thankful to have you along the ride here every week on our 104.5 The Zone podcast network. Back at it again next week, Tennessee and Purdue in the Music City Bowl. Enjoy the holiday weekend. Enjoy Tennessee and Arizona. We'll talk to you next week here in the Zone Podcast Network. What's up, folks? Anthony Armstrong here. Bob Popple, along with Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. Hey, NFL fans. This is Solomon Wilcox, former NFL safety and host of the Believe in Bengals podcast. Catch my show and all 32 Believe NFL podcasts. Listen in to former players give their inside perspective on your favorite team. Search Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. It's always football season, wherever you listen.